Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Democratic Socialism. It's a term we've heard a lot over the last five years as both a positive and as an extreme negative. But do you know what socialists actually believe? And what their vision is for the United States? Yes, we're going behind the headlines. We're going beyond the talking points. We're going to talk socialism. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're very pleased to have back on the program Ben Burgess, whose initial book, Canceling Comedians While the World Burns, a critique of the contemporary left by Ben Burgess. He also has a new book out uh, in December, Christopher Hitchens, how he, excuse me, he also has a new book out, Christopher Hitchens, what he got right, how he went wrong, and why he still matters. That'll be coming out in December. And uh, Ben, thanks for uh, carving out some time for us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to continue our conversation. This is one of those where we can kind of dive in and and dig in a little bit in terms of uh, where things are. Uh, I want to start with just kind of this idea of democratic socialism. You hear it bantied about and uh, usually in derogatory terms from someone on the far right or, you know, people in the center left. Uh, Tell Mm -hmm. us just a little bit about what should we really be thinking of when we hear democratic socialism? The kind of policies that democratic socialists would support in the here and now things like Medicare for all, you know, in other words, having a healthcare system like the one that they have in Canada and universal uh, childcare, you know, so things like this uh, that can take care of some people's basic needs in ways that don't rely on the, the market taking care of it. And I think a lot of people when they say they're democratic socialists, that's all they mean. Now yeah. cards at the table. It's not all I mean. Yeah. Right? You know, I, my long-term dreams, you know, would uh, would go a lot further than that. Although I'm I'm under no illusions that most people in the United States in you know the year of our Lord 2021, you know, are are uh, prepared to you know to go as far as I'd ultimately like to. Uh, but I but I do think a lot of those those kind of short-term agenda items. Yeah are actually pretty broadly uh, popular right now. Yeah, so as you as you look at that, you kind of talk about it in terms of uh, there being a, a moment uh, for mm-hmm. these kinds of policies. So why do you think this is the moment to, to be having those discussions? And I think these discussions are important, regardless mm-hmm. of where people are. Uh, I, I think you and I share something in common in, in mm-hmm. that we can call out uh, both the left and the right <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of their inability to actually 
uh, hold sure. on to the principles they profess to believe during those campaigns that you that you just mentioned. Uh-huh. Uh, but why do you think this is a, a moment for some of these principles? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of people have been experiencing a lot of economic precarity over the course of the last really couple decades, especially the last you know, 13 years since the uh, the economic crash in 2008. And just to try to make that concrete, you know, think about the difference between uh, being a cab driver in 2005. He's probably a uh, a union member, definitely has, you know, has health insurance. Uh, you know, he has a decent amount of job security. Uh, think about the difference between that person and somebody who's an Uber driver yeah. in 2021. They have none of those things. They have a, a rating, you know, that they <laughs> that they constantly uh, they constantly worry about. Uh, they have no particular guarantee of you know future income. You know, they're certainly not unionized, and there's an excellent chance they don't even have uh, have health insurance. And I think that that's a trajectory that lots of people in lots of different parts of, of the economy have, in their own ways, mm-hmm. gone through. You know, I think these are things that do create a lot of appetite for those kinds of democratic, you know, socialist policies that I'm talking about, or at the very least, there are enough that, that you know, they create a sympathetic hearing for it, you know, yeah. when, when people when people hear it. Although again, I I I would distinguish because I want to be careful about this. I think sometimes people who think what I think fall into the trap of thinking that like everybody's just on board. It's just it's just uh it's just all the only problem is that corrupt politicians standing in the way or something. And, and that I don't think that's really true. You know, I, yeah. I think that I, I think that there's a lot of work to be done in sort of convincing people that these things actually could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think at least in the I think at least in the abstract, I think a lot more people like the idea of it, uh, you know, now than was the case in 2005. You know, that S word, you know, socialism is probably uh, much less scary to a lot of people now than, you know, would have been the case, you know, certainly 20, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's an interesting uh, component to that. And and, and I want to dig down just Mm -hmm. because we want to be curious about uh, all of this in terms of because I do think there is a uh, as you said, there's a kind of a, a march towards or a, some steps towards people saying, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, and is it a, is it a security thing? So many of these things mm-hmm. seem to create more certainty uh, mm-hmm. uh, in our lives. And so that's kind of one component to it. And then there's sort of, and so I think those parts are popular or, or I think the polling would be good around those kinds of things. Seems to me that where the public isn't there yet is, okay, that sounds good. How do we pay for that? We've even seen some of that pushback mm-hmm. in some of the Biden uh, administration's proposals that they are in agreement in terms of concept, but in terms of the pay-fors and the reality, kind of going back to how you framed it, Ben, mm-hmm. uh, where, where are we on those? I mean, the frustrating thing for me about the Biden stuff a lot of this was a known goal, but uh, it was always framed in terms of the the price tag and and very, very rarely mm. in terms of what all this was paid for. Like I heard the phrase, you know, three and a half trillion dollars, one and a half trillion dollars over and over and over again, you know, but the discussion is is all about the numbers, which of course feeds into exactly what you're talking about, right? Because it's like, well, first of all, it sounds like a incredible amount of money, you know, which... I would argue that there's a little bit of a double standard because we don't do that with like the military budget, you know, for example, you know, for for, for 10 years, if we did, it would be a lot more money than that. But I think that when it's the discussion about the money, then, then yeah, what you're talking about, you know, is, is a big, I think it's going to have a lot more traction, you know, with a lot more people. Whereas 
when it's a discussion about what the money is for, then at least the you know there's a fighting chance of you know of, of getting people on board with doing those things. Economic mobility, you know, giving people you know giving people second chances in life, you know, I I, I think is is actually really important, right? Yeah. I mean, like like I mean, I feel like every argument ever, you know, with with somebody's. Uh, you know, Republican uncle at Thanksgiving, you know, where were they, uh, they talk about, you know, the, uh, the minimum wage and the guy says, well, you know, this is just supposed to be for people starting out, you know, if they want to be paid more money, they, they, they should go back to school. It's like, okay, well, let's at least make it easier, <laughs> you know, for them to, uh, to go back to school. Right. You know, so, yeah. so I think, I, I mean, I don't think what you're talking about can be avoided entirely because sure. even though, even though I do think that there is a discussion to be had about reallocated existing money mm. right you know like do we really need to have however many you know hundreds of you know military bases around the entire world you know could we spend some of that yeah. on domestic social spending you know and also of course you know it's I, I think what does pull very well is is higher taxes for rich people you know what what pulls less well is higher taxes for everybody else right <laughs> uh, you know and uh but I, I don't think you could ultimately avoid that last one because I, I i think that even though even though i do want to pull back you know the military spending even though i do want to tax rich people more ultimately I think realistically, a lot of the stuff you do need to to tax even working class people, you know, above a certain income threshold more. Uh, but I think the case has to be that you're getting back more than you're you're putting yeah. in, and I, I think that's a winnable argument. I think there I think there are countries elsewhere in the world where that that's that's an argument that's been won. But I think that that when the entire discussion is framed in terms of price tag then obviously you're yeah. not going to win that argument because people only have the vaguest idea yeah. of what they're getting what that back. Means. And- yeah. We're going to stay with the conversation. Yes, we're going to stay with the socialism conversation because there's so much to learn and to think about. We talk about in our next segment how we can sharpen our own thinking and get more clarity on what does matter most as we continue our conversation with Ben Burgess socialism is it the right thing what about cancel culture we'll take it all up coming up next think again with lloyd matheson on ksl news radio two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything it was violent it was senseless And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 